This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. See all the action from every game with full game replays. You can also replay an entire game and catch all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. You are Locked On Eagles, your daily Philadelphia Eagles podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Lockdown Eagles podcast. As always, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Louis DiBiase joining you on this Thursday edition of the show, episode four this week. Downloaded into your phone when you subscribe to the Lockdown Eagles podcast or head over to LockdownEagles.com. And hey, make sure to follow us on Twitter. We're always talking birds after the show at Lockdown Birds, at DiBiase LOE. Gino is at Gino underscore LOE. So, the last podcast you heard Gino break down the roster to 53 players. The Eagles have to do just that by September 5th, which is in just two days. So the Eagles need to get to their regular season roster, what they're going to go with for 2020 in just two days. So Gino predicted what he thinks the roster is going to look like, not what he thinks should happen, but what he thinks will happen, what he thinks the Eagles will do. Are they going to go heavy at uh, cornerback or defensive line? Are they going to go thin at running back, maybe tight end? He got into his predictions on yesterday's podcast. I'm going to do the same thing today. I know I did it about a month ago, but there's a lot of things that have changed. There's a ton of more injuries, as you guys know. Every single segment one is basically a new injury report talking about another key Eagle that is on the report. Um, so a lot of that's happened. There's been a lot of surprising guys that have shined in the football field, like let's say Deontay Burnett, John Hightower. Then there's a lot of guys that have struggled to either stay healthy or stay productive, i.e. Sidney Jones. So does Burnett make the roster? Does Jones become a surprise cut? We'll get into that coming up on today's edition of the podcast. But before we get into that, I want to hit on a couple things that I heard Doug Peterson say to the media a couple days ago when it comes to Jason Peters, when it comes to Alshon Jeffrey. So to start here with JP, you guys heard me and Gino get into a debate over the weekend on what they should do with Peters. Now that Andre Dillard's out for the year with torn biceps, should JP be the blindside protector for Carson Wentz after being just that for every Eagles quarterback outside of Michael Vick because he's a lefty um, since 2009. I think it's an easy decision regardless of what you think about Peters and his decision to want more money to move back from right guard to left tackle. Like Regardless if you think he's right or wrong in that area, I think the Eagles have to give in to his demands because Matt Pryor is not a left tackle. He's a right guard. Jordan Maialata is not somebody I want to bank on for 16 games this year. And honestly, as much as I like Jack Driscoll, I don't want a left tackle uh, being a rookie this year in such a crucial season for Wentz and this Eagles team that's still competing for a Super Bowl. Their roster is still strong enough to be one of the best in the NFC. And uh, I just don't want to risk Carson Wentz's health. Doug Peterson talked about this situation the other day to the media. Matt Pryor, as we record this, continues to be the left tackle while Peters stays at right guard. Doug says he's not sure where these reports are coming from about Peters wanting more money to move back to left tackle, which I don't know why he's playing dumb. It actually makes them look worse because let's say that let's say Peters wasn't asking for more money. (laughs) Why else would you not move a guy that at left tackle last year, even at 37, 38 years old was still a top five PFF pass blocker according to their grading system. 
Where is the logic in having a right guard play left tackle and a left tackle play at right guard? He talked about continuity, right? Not wanting to move too many pieces around. But it would make more sense continuity-wise to go back to JP, who was your left tackle again since 2009, and have Matt Pryor play right guard in place of Brandon Brooks. Matt Pryor last year was your right guard for a couple games, including the playoff game against Seattle. Matt Pryor, even at TCU, did not play left tackle. So the fact that, you know, even if you were going to keep JP at right guard, what they're doing right now with Pryor there, I get they trust him more than Driscoll and Maialata just as a player, regardless of position. But to have Pryor at that position over even Driscoll and Maialata makes no sense to me considering the athleticism of those other two and the lack of experience that Pryor has at that position. So to me, this makes them look even worse if they're playing dumb about the money. Um, again, just not wanting to shuffle things around. Then put Peters back at left tackle. Stop messing around with this. I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and think that they're going to move Peters back to left tackle before, not this Sunday, but next Sunday's season opener against Washington. Um, and I'm sure that they think that, or at least I hope that they think they have time to, JP does not need to relearn left tackle, right? You can plug and play him at that position with no practice, and I think he'll be just fine. Whereas with Pryor, with Driscoll, with Maialata, if Peters ever did come out of the lineup like he normally does, right now I'm hoping the organization is trying to just get a good picture about which one of them they can depend on because Dillard's gone. Halapulivati Vaitai is gone. Jason Peters, yes, it's awesome to still have that that insurance policy, but if he gets injured like he has the past couple of years, you don't have Big V to come in. You don't have Dillard this year to come in. So that's what I'm hoping is the situation here. But if their plan is to keep Peters at right guard, I, I cannot, to me, you would rather have the weak link of your offensive line be right guard sandwiched in between Lane Johnson and Jason Kelsey than have it be the blind side of Wentz. I, I can't believe, unless Jason Peters wants like $10 million more to play left tackle, there should be no reason he does not move there uh, this year. What is He has like, I think, $3 million total in guaranteed money this year, $6 million in incentives. Just bump, like make that part of the base salary. Just bump it up to $3 million. Look, I, as much as anybody, doesn't want to give up more cap space to an old player like that that probably won't be here in 2021, considering the Eagles' cap restrictions already next year. They're projected to be like $67 million over the cap. But the alternative is risking Wentz's health this year and risking your season. If you don't have the left tackle position downright, that can wreck ball game after ball game. And if you're worried about the precedent it sets, Jason Peters is not, like I said on Saturday, he's not some typical backup, some typical right guard that's just switching positions. This is a guy that played at a top five level still last year that's a first ballot Hall of Famer that you you made the business decision to replace him this offseason with an unknown. So if you want JP to be an overqualified plan B at this position, much like Nick Foles, this was the comparison I made on Saturday to Geno, if you want him to be that overqualified plan B, like Nick Foles was after winning Super Bowl MVP, what did you have to do to make him a backup again? You had to sweeten the pot. You had to make his roster bonus guaranteed from $2 million to $9 million. They bumped it up by $7 million in guarantees. JP's the same thing. This isn't going to set a precedent for, um, let's say, 
you know, Razul Douglas, if they wanted to move him from corner to safety, he's not going to say, well, show me the money because Jason Peters said, show me the money. This is a unique situation, and I don't want the Eagles to mess around with this spot. If they, if it was, you know, if we're talking about corner to safety or linebacker to safety or something like that, defensive tackle to defensive end, I'd say, okay, it's not as big of a risk. But left tackle is so crucial to the success of this team, and we've seen it. Look what happened when JP was out, let's say, in 2012, and Demetrius Bell was playing the position or King Dunlop. They don't have the flexibility this year without Big V, without Dillard, to mess around. So I'm hoping what they're doing still, because Doug's playing dumb, and I'm that's concerning me that maybe they're really going to be bullish on this whole situation. Um, but what I'm hoping they're doing is just getting a better sense for what they have in prior Mayalata and Driscoll if Peters gets hurt, and that Peters next week will get moved back to left tackle. If not... I'm going to freak out, man, because I am concerned. Pryor has not looked good at that position, and you've got an unknown in Mayalata, and you've got a rookie in Jack Driscoll. So I, I just, that, that situation continues to bother me. And again, I'm hoping Doug is just playing dumb and that for, for a reason, and you know, they're going to put him at left tackle next week. But uh, right now, I'm still not happy with the, uh, with the logic that they're trying to use here, and the fact that Peters is yet to play left tackle is making me a little bit concerned. All right, let's move over to another guy that uh, I continue to um, talk about on the podcast because we keep getting you know news stories each day, and it's wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey. Doug Peterson talked about him as well in his press conference, saying he could be back by September. Won't guarantee anything. The interesting part that I took away from this is that he said he doesn't want Alshon to play until he's 100% or 105%, whatever really that means. And what that instantly told me was, okay, they could say until they're blue in the face all offseason that Alshon Jeffrey is a part of this team. I'm going to look at all the context clues. I'm going to see all the receivers that they took in the draft this year that they traded for. I'm going to look at the type of receivers they have. I'm going to look at the fact that they tried to trade Alshon Jeffrey last year at the beginning of the season. I'm going to look at his cap numbers and trying to get out of that situation. The injury he has right now is a Liz Frank injury. The fact that this team is just trying to get younger and the fact that they believe Alshon was the source that talked bad about Carson Wentz and Howie Roseman to Josina Anderson. I'm going to look at all those context clues instead of what the coach and what the GM has said. And I'm going to say, on top of this, they clearly want the young guys, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Greg Ward, John Hightower, Jalen Rager. They want those guys to give them a reason to not need Alshon, to give them a reason to, when Alshon gets healthy, to call up the New York Jets, to call up old friend Joe Douglas and say, hey, we'll absorb a little bit of that contract Here's Elshon Jeffrey for Sam Darnold because we know all he's got right now is Brashad Perriman and Denzel Mims. So that's what I'm hoping. That's what I think they're hoping as well. I, I never bought it. I never bought that they thought he was going to be a big part of the offense. Sure, I'm okay with, and you guys have heard me on the show say, I'm cool with Alshon being in-house still. As much as I'm not okay with what he's done the past couple years, as much as I'm scared of the regression he had already last year on top of the injury, on top of the cap space, I want to find a trade partner for him, and I want these young guys to step up. I will say, though, at the same time, considering all the inexperience at the position, that I am happy that he is an option, hopefully down the road. What I was not okay with was the fact that he could be back, I thought maybe by the start of the season, and then we don't see what J.J. Ortega-Whiteside has. We don't see what Greg Ward can do this year, or John Hightower because Alshon Jeffries is immediately a starter. It doesn't look like that's the case. The Eagles are going to take this really slow with Jeffrey, probably because of the the severity of his injury, but also because, again, they want to see through J. Jaw's development, Hightower's development, Ward, 
Rager. And they're not going to be able to do that, especially with J-Jaw, if Alshon Jeffrey's back the first week or two of the season. Because you're not having J.J. Ortega-Whiteside and Alshon Jeffrey on the field at the same time. So that's what I took away from that. This clearly is not like last year where, remember when Deshaun Jackson had that injury and he wasn't going to get surgery, and we kept just waiting for him to get back, and they were so desperate for it because they had no vertical threat at all. Defenses were stacking the box with eight, nine guys at a time because they knew you were a compact offense. So against Chicago, right, they just need any sort of version of Deshaun Jackson to get back on the field. They were desperate for a 50% version of Deshaun to get back on the field. That's not the case with Alshon this year. They're clearly not desperate to get him back onto the field. And I'm with that decision. So that's instantly what I took away from Doug saying that he doesn't want to play Jeffrey this year until he's 100%. Louis DiBiase joining you on this edition of Locked On Eagles. Coming up next, it's time to get this roster down to 53 players. The Eagles have to do it by Saturday. I'm going to predict coming up in segments 2 and 3 on offense and defense what I think they're going to do with this roster, how many players at each position they're going to keep, not what I think they should do, rather what I think they will do. And that's coming up next right here on Locked on Eagles. This season, get football on your time with NFL Game Pass. You can catch every snap from every game with full game replays and see all of the plays in just 45 minutes with condensed games. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game, every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. And NFL Game Pass is the only place that you can replay every game all season long. You'll also learn from the league's best players with over 40 NFL Game Pass film sessions. Go inside the game from a player's perspective as they break down the game's concepts and techniques, learn from the best like Deshaun Watson, Stephon Gilmore, Devontae Adams, and many more. NFL Game Pass also provides access to the entire NFL Films archive. Go to NFL.com slash Game Pass to start your free trial today. NFL Game Pass, where football never stops. Louis DiBiase joining you on this Thursday edition of the Lockdown Eagles. All right, you heard Gino yesterday break the roster down to 53 players. The team has to do that by Saturday. He predicted what they're going to do with those 53 players. Now it's my turn to give the final predictions to this roster by September 5th. Let's start here in segment two with the offensive side of the football. Quarterback's pretty obvious. You're going to keep three. Carson Wentz, Nate Sudfeld, Jalen Hurts. Nate Sudfeld is going to be your backup to start the year. But again, as we've been saying, it's going to be a very short leash. I think Jalen, if Wentz were to get seriously injured and knock on wood that he doesn't, and you know it's going to be a long-term thing, I think Jalen Hurts would eventually get the nod because I think you just know you're going to be able to win games. I think in a pinch, Nate Sudfeld can win you a game or two, but if Wentz is out, let's say, for like 12 games... Jalen Hurts has the ceiling that could eventually still propel you into a team that's a serious contender, whereas with Sudfeld, I just don't think you could really get there. But all three are going to dress week in and week out. Wentz, Sudfeld, and Hurts are your three quarterbacks. Running back, surprisingly here, they're going to go thin. And I don't know if it's surprising based on their personnel, but over the years, Doug Peterson normally keeps four running backs, sometimes even five. They're only going to go with three this year. Miles Sanders, Boston Scott, and Corey Clement. Elijah Holyfield, I've liked what I've seen from him you know, a few times here and there. I've liked some of the plays he's made. Um, Andre Killings as well, very explosive. A guy that you could rely on as a kick returner and as a punt returner. Doug Peterson even said, loved what he's been doing at running back and at receiver. Uh, Michael Warren as well, an undrafted kid out of Cincinnati, provides a power style of running that you really don't have with Sanders, Scott, and Clement. But all three of those guys, are you going to lose all three of them? to other rosters, like are teams going to 
pick up Warren, Killings, and or Holyfield and make them a part of their 53-man roster? I don't think so. You're going to be able to get at least two of these guys on the practice squad. So in a pinch, in a week where, let's say, Sanders were to get hurt or Scott or Clement, you could call up one of those guys or bring in a veteran. Leonard Fournette signed with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today. LaShawn McCoy might be the odd man out there because they're going to keep Fournette, Ronald Jones, Keyshawn Vaughn. Are they going to keep LaShawn McCoy as a fourth running back? I don't know. So the reunion talk, it's back on, baby. So I'm just saying there's other options. Even if, if there was like a significant injury to Miles Sanders, Devonta Freeman's still available. I just don't think it's worth keeping Holifield or Warren on your 53 because then they don't provide really special teams play. Killings? Okay, I could see you make the argument with the versatility. He can play running running back, receiver, kick returner. I don't think it's worth it for any of them because Scott can play special teams as can Corey Clement. I think they go three running backs. They go lighter at running back because they're going to go heavier at wide receiver where they're going to keep seven. Alshon Jeffrey, as much as I say, I would like to see the young guys play for a while for maybe six weeks to see what they can do. Um, I do think Jeffrey is close enough where he won't be placed in the PUP list because the PUP list would guarantee that Alshon misses at least the first six weeks of the year. The timetable right now, the realistic return is probably the beginning of October, but Doug Peterson has said it. Multiple Eagles insiders have said they've heard he could come back by some point in September, so I think he will be on the active roster as will Jalen Rager, who I think is only going to miss one or two games, either against just Washington or against Washington and L.A., and then he comes back against Cincinnati in Week 3. Both of them are going to be carried on the 53, which means you might not have two guys on your 53 at receiver that will be available for the first couple weeks of the season, which means you got to carry an extra body. So I think it's going to be Deshaun Jackson, Jalen Rager, Alshon Jeffrey, those three are locks, as is J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, Greg Ward, those are going to be your three starters probably to start the year. Jackson, Ortega, Whiteside, Ward. John Hightower is a lock as well as that number six receiver. You got to keep a seventh. You got to keep another healthy guy. And although he's battling an injury right now, I think he'll be ready to go to start the year. I'm going to keep Quez Watkins on this roster. He has a really good rapport right now with Carson Wentz. You drafted this kid. In the sixth round, he's making a lot of plays in training camp, especially in the red zone. He's got that blazing speed you want. And since you lost Marquise Goodwin, who opted out of the NFL season because of COVID-19, you're going to want to keep an extra one of those deep threats that you drafted. And I think Quez, although Deontay Burnett has had an incredible training camp, I think they would rather, and I know Burnett made a big play in a big game last year against uh, New York Week 17, I think Quez Watkins presents way more upside. I think he's made plays just as much as Burnett in camp this year, and you did draft him, so I think you want to see through that development. Just a way higher ceiling. So I think they go with seven. I think they go Jackson Rager, Jeffrey, Arthago Whiteside, Ward, Hightower, and Watkins. You're going to go heavy at receiver early on. You have to based on the health at this position, but also I just think in general you should keep more receivers than running backs or tight ends where they go light again. I don't think they keep Noah Togiai. I don't think they keep Joshua Perkins. I think Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard are your two tight ends, and if there were an injury to one of those two, you can pick up one of those guys on the practice squad. 
You know, Alex Ellis, I think, is available again. New Julian Vandervelde, who the Eagles have cut and re-signed like a hundred times. So at tight end and running back, I think they go light because they got to go heavier at running back and some other positions, including the offensive line, defensive line. We'll get into defense coming up in segment uh, three. Offensive line, they're going to keep nine players here. So to get to 25 total on offense, they're going to keep nine offensive linemen. Jason Peters, Isaac Sayamalu, Jason Kelsey, Matt Pryor, and Lane Johnson. That's your start. Starting five, and then I think your backups are Jack Driscoll, Nate Herbig, Prince Tega Winogo, and Jordan Mayawada. So those are the nine offensive linemen. I don't think any of those guys are at risk of getting cut. I think it's pretty clear that those are going to be your nine. So that gets you to 25 players on the offensive side of the football, right? Or let's see. Let's do some math here. 10, 13, 15. Oh, no, I'm sorry. We're at 24. We're at 24 players, so we're going to keep an extra defensive player. Again, they went lighter at running back in this prediction and tight end. They went on the heavier side at receiver. Where else will they go heavy on defense? That's coming up next right here on Lockdown Eagles. All right, Eagles fans, wrapping up this Thursday edition of the show, we are predicting the Eagles' 53-man roster. So, segment two, I had them keeping three quarterbacks, three running backs, seven receivers, two tight ends, so they go light at tight end and running back. They go heavy at wide receiver. They keep nine offensive linemen. Now let's flip the script. Let's go to defense, and we start with defensive end. Defensive end, I think they keep five. I think it goes Brandon Graham, Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, Vinnie Curry. Those are your top four locked in. Then I think, or I'm sorry, they're going to keep six. Jannard Avery and Joe Osman make the 53. I think they go lighter defensive tackle. I think they only keep four. Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Malik Jackson, and Hassan Ridgeway because... You have the versatility with Brandon Graham. He can play inside. Vinnie Curry, he can play inside. Josh Sweat, he can play inside. So I think you'd rather go heavy at defensive end, although you can argue you know, Malik Jackson, he can play the edge as well, and he will a lot this year because you're going to want Hargrave, Cox, and Jackson on the field at the same time. At defensive end, though, you've got three guys that can play inside and outside. Graham, Sweat, Curry. So at defensive tackle, you can go lighter so you can keep an extra end or two. And with Avery's injury, I think you're going to want to keep another guy like Joe Osman here. Casey Tuhill probably makes the practice squad. Sharif Miller, he's just not doing enough to beat out Osman or Avery. Uh, defensive tackle, again, it's Cox, Hargrave, Jackson, Ridgeway. I just, I mean, if you're going to keep Joe Osman, Jannard Avery, or Anthony Rush, like if you're going to keep two of those three, Again, I think you should go with the ends. Uh, again, because you have the versatility with guys being able to play inside and out, uh, that's how they'll go. Six defensive ends and four defensive tackles. At linebacker, I think they go with five. Nate Geary, TJ Edwards, Duke Riley, those are probably your starting three. Not sexy at all in 2020 at this position. Uh, Davian Taylor and Sean Bradley, your two rookies, your third-round pick and a uh, seventh-round pick, make the roster. Sean Bradley's had an awesome camp. Davian Taylor has all the upside in the world, but I think even Jim Schwartz hinted at it last week that he's got a long way to go before he has a real role on defense. He'll be a good special teamers, though. And Again, you drafted this kid in the third round. You're going to see through this development and hope that next year he can be your every-down linebacker because for the most part, you're going to be playing nickel dime defense with at least you know five six sometimes seven defensive backs in the field at a time so you're going to want to go lighter at linebacker on the football field but you want to keep around Davian Taylor I think Sean Bradley could actually have a role on defense this year and then your top three are Geary Edwards and Duke Riley at cornerback six 
I think this one's pretty self-explanatory. I know some people think Sidney Jones could be a surprise cut. I think with how good he was down the stretch last year, even with him still dealing with soft tissue injuries and Jim Schwartz knowing you can't rely on this kid to be a 16-game starter or maybe even <laughs> like 10 to 12, I do think in spots, if there are injuries during games, Sidney Jones last year showed in a pinch he can come in without playing three quarters. In the fourth quarter, he can make a game-winning play for you. So I want that guy, even if he's my number five or six corner, I want that guy with that upside still on my roster. I'm still not giving up on Sidney Jones. Not saying I want him to be a starter, but I do want him on the roster over you know Trayvon Williams um, or you know bringing in somebody else or going light at corner and taking five guys. I think you got to go heavy with defensive backs. Darius Slay, Avante Maddox, Nikel Roby Coleman, those are your starting three. And I love their three backups. Razul Douglas, you guys know I'm still a believer in Razul. In a pinch, especially with Darius Slay shadowing top weapons, I think Zool can have a role on defense this year. He's had a really good training camp, and I think, again, if you're going to be matchup-based, Avante Maddox is one of the smallest starting corners in the game at, what, 5'9"? There could be times where you're playing a bigger offense that likes to go 12 personnel, maybe some taller receivers, where you want a physical Razul Douglas to be on the football field. So Zool is going to be one of your top backups on the outside. Cravon LeBlanc is your backup slot corner. That's an incredible luxury. Cravon would be starting on a lot of teams across the league. And then I think Sidney Jones rounds out your six cornerbacks on the football field. I love that group. I'm so confident in Slay and Roby Coleman, and I think at least one or two of Maddox, Douglas, LeBlanc, and Jones will show that ceiling that we've seen flashed at times. Maddox and Razul in 2018, Craven LeBlanc as well in 2018 and in 2019, Sidney Jones in 2019. I don't think all of them are going to pan out, but I think at least a couple you're going to get their good side in 2020. At safety, again, we went light at tight end and running back, right? And and defensive tackle. We went a little heavier at receiver with seven, went heavier at defensive end with six. You're going to go heavy at one more position in that safety, especially now with Will Parks being injured for, you know, three to six weeks. Hopefully he's only out for a couple games. I don't know if he'll be put on IR, designated to return, you know, in three weeks. They're not going to place him on the PUP. I think Will Parks will probably be on the active 53, which means you got to, again, carry an extra body. And even if Parks was healthy, I thought they were going to keep five safeties because, again, they're going to go so heavy at defensive back this year on the field that you're going to want a lot of bodies there in case of injuries. And there really always is injuries with the Eagles. So I think they're going to keep five. Rodney McLeod. Jalen Mills, Will Parks, Kayvon Wallace, those are your obvious top four. And I think Graylon Arnold makes this team over Marcus Epps, uh, over Rudy Ford. I don't want Ford or Epps on this team again. I just I don't like them enough on special teams, and I can't get out of my head Marcus Epps getting mossed by DK Metcalf last year to end the season. I don't want that guy playing on defense. And who knows if they have to. You know, you already have an injury to Parks. If Jalen Mills struggles at safety or God forbid maybe they need him at corner again you're going to need some more bodies at safety outside of just McLeod Wallace you know Parks dealing with an injury right now I like the upside of Graylin Arnold I think he can play special teams and I think he's actually somebody that I would trust on defense more than Epps or Ford so I think they keep Graylin Arnold as that fifth safety and then at special teams your uh your big three Jake Elliott at kicker, Cameron Johnson at punter, and Ricky Lovato 
at long snapper. So those are your 53 players kept for 2020. That's what I think the Eagles will do on Saturday when they have to get this roster down to what it's going to look like heading forward starting next Sunday against Washington in D.C. Louis DiBiase joining you on this Thursday edition of Locked on Eagles. Thank you so much for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on any platform. If you could leave us a five-star rate and review, it's how we grow the show and continue to churn out more Eagles podcasts than any platform out there. Follow us on Twitter as well. Always talking birds after the podcast at Locked on Birds, at DiBiase LOE, and Gino is on Twitter at Gino underscore LOE. As always, thank you for downloading. Thank you for listening, and let's go birds.